0: If you're on the West Coast, good evening. If you're on the East Coast, happy late night. And if you're across the pond, brew a cup of Joe. It's it's been a late one for you. I'm Justin LaBar here on our wrestling podcast on Wednesday night, April 28th. Being joined as I am now every single Wednesday, from Forbes.com. He is the one, the only, Alfred Kunwa. Alfred, what's going on tonight, man?
1: How's it going, man? I I like that you said hello to everybody. That was very cordial of you.
0: Just trying to encompass the world here, you know? I mean, if you're like, if you're... In Australia, then uh, tell me how Thursday's going. How's Thursday midday going? <laughs> no spoilers, Whatever. Australia. No spoilers. Uh, well, we won't give you any spoilers here. We'll just give you the, the the rundown, the recap of what happened tonight on AEW Dynamite. It was a taped AEW Dynamite. You could certainly tell if you watch closely, and uh, the way they uh, ended, uh, started, and ended some segments. But that's fine. They they were able to maximize the most of their minutes and probably film some extra stuff, uh, as we'll note as we go through here. This, of course, Alfred being a, a go home show to. Uh, A premium episode of Dynamite next week, which is going to be called Blood and Guts, of course, anchored by uh, what's going to be essentially a War Games match that we'll get into here in a little bit. But something interesting to note is that we were under the impression, and Jim Ross had even said on commentary over recent weeks, that Blood and Guts would be a night of one match. and We presumed it would be this big battle between uh, Pinnacle and Inner Circle, but tonight they announced some other matches, so we'll have to kind of break down exactly what kind of format we're going to be seeing next Wednesday from Daily Center Uh, blood and guts but nonetheless tonight certainly did a lot of business to sell you to next week Uh, and so let's jump right into of course we encourage everybody to super chats Uh, we of course if you will get to everything so if you want to keep your super chat for a particular topic when we get to it uh, that's going to keep it uh, flowing the best but we start out it's going to be hangman page up against brian cage from team taz but alfred just as hangman page trying to come out he gets attacked by cage and team taz on the ramp Uh, dark order eventually tries to run some of team taz off but even still Cage hits a nasty power bomb on the stage. This all happening before the bell has even sounded. Bell finally does ring, and uh, Paige is just getting an ass kicking for a while. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of heat here. Of course, Taz on the commentary. Ty finally turns. Paige hits a big moonsault to the outside. But really, the finish is what is one of the most buzzworthy things coming out. The outcome uh, coming out of this episode. Brian Cage hits a sequence of a, a power bombs, a buckle bomb, and then into his drill claw, drill claw slam. And Brian Cage offered gets the win over Hangman Page. Upset, yay or nay?
1: Absolutely. I was shocked to see this. And just based on how they were booking this match and that Brian Cage was pretty much dominating a lot of it, I was just expecting Hangman Adam Page to spring the comeback and win, just like he's been doing for weeks. And we've kind of touched on this, but, you know, Hangman Adam Page has been promoted as a number one contender, but it does seem like it's too early for him to uh, go to Kenny anytime soon. So you knew that somewhere along the line he was going to stumble. So I really like that they've been building this up for weeks on end. So when he does stumble, it's, you know, to a guy like Page or to Cage, somebody who needs it. And I think this is a must-win match for Cage because we've also been talking about how much they've kind of uh, put the Taz uh, stable to the corner in terms of how they booked them. And so this was a lot of steam from much needed. But I was absolutely shocked. It's as clean as a finish as you're going to see in AEW, yet there was still outside interference. You know, before the match, you got power bombed and whatnot. But, you know, it was relatively clean, so good for a brand cage.
0: Yeah, AEW clean. Uh, and you're right because yeah. just, just a few, and I don't know if it was seconds or minutes, but – not long before that finish, uh, there was a sequence where Hangman tra- went to go went to go spring roll at the top rope to go for his uh, his, his buckshot lariat uh, finish, and Cage had countered, and I believe Cage countered, and then hit basically like a Brock Lesnar F5. One, two, Page kicks out. And I remember, and I said to myself at that moment, I said, you know, here's a big freakish guy in Cage who's just been beaten up on Page, and he just hit a Brock Lesnar. And, you know, granted, it's, you know, it's not Cage's finish, but I just remember thinking to myself at that moment, if that couldn't even put Hangman Page away, they're just not gonna allow this guy, Brian Cage, to, to, to go over. And then a moment later I'm 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 pleasantly surprised. And then even commentary noted after it. Yeah, you, know, you have to wonder, could have Hangman survived had he not been power bombed on that stage prior. Right. So still trying to keep Hangman who was, you know, ranked what number one or whatever yeah. he is. Uh but yeah, I mean certainly definitely needed. Had had Brian Cage lost this, I mean, I just would have been one more like what are we doing here? Right. So so good yeah, to see you no, here.
1: Love to see this. And they worked very well together. I thought they had a lot of chemistry.
0: Absolutely. Uh, up next, we are going to get a, a, a promo with the Young Bucks, with the Good Brothers, with Omega, with Don Callis. They're in a limousine. They're dressed ridiculously. Uh, Omega's talking about how he's not scared. You know, look in my eyes. I'm not scared. We, you know, Money follows us. Just talent and success, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they start to hear honking of a, of a horn. Giving them, uh, they all start having like PTSD. They're freaking out. They're they're having flashbacks of last week, only to reveal that their bumbling limo driver Michael Nakawazawa Nakazawa accidentally <laughs> started hitting the horn. Um, so just calling their bluff. Uh, so this, you know, I, I mean, sh- shenanigans, fine. You know, Omega cutting the promo, but like I got to say, I mean, Kenny Omega won the Impact World Title a couple nights ago. That was just completely. Not not there tonight.
1: Yeah, well, what happened, I think, because he didn't have any titles with him tonight, so I think they just kind of retconned talking about anything that happened, and he came out there with no titles so that – you know it didn't get out that he won those titles because if they would have taped the show before the pay-per-view with Kenny Omega having those titles or even talking about winning them then that'll be kind of a spoiler so I expect to be more on that front maybe next week but it was very jarring because this is three belts Kenny I'm sure this is in some ways kind of like a fallout show from Impact Rebellion like the big story this weekend is that Kenny Omega has these two championships now and you know in terms of Impact and AEW I know he's got the AAA title too but you didn't see or hear about any of that on this show and it it was very jarring.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know if I I'm gonna disagree with you on that explanation. Two reasons. One, even when they've had these closed set shows where they have a lot of extras and and, and um, independent wrestlers that are just there to work dark and elevation, spoilers have been pretty well kept under wraps. Right. Um probably because these guys and girls like they don't want to be they don't want to get caught being the one that stooged off an outcome you know when they're trying to get a job. But more importantly a lot of these promos were taped and they could have been taped at any point tape. And I'm sure some of them screamed at me. Okay. They taped this after the fact, knowing, Hey, we have time to insert this. They could have taped this, uh, after Omega had his match a- against Swan. They, I mean, or, you know, or again, it was, it was done in a limo. It wasn't, again, it wasn't like it was out in the open with a bunch of crowd participation. So I, this, again, this, this whole thing, the theme of it of like, and wh- where's a spoiler. Did anybody think Rich Swan was winning? So, I mean, where's even the spoiler alert? <laughs>
1: I don't know. No, no, yeah, they, uh, there's absolutely a way around this. I mean, that's the only reason I could explain that, but, you know, it isn't uh, about enough excuse maybe, but uh, it, it was just very weird seeing Kenny Omega, who's supposed to be three belts Kenny uh, with nothing, no goal to speak of.
0: Nothing. So we'll see more of Kenny uh, and, and, and company in a little bit. Uh, we do get the Young Bucks up next in the next match, Young Bucks versus the Seidel brothers. Um, so I got I to gotta bring this one up. And this match, first off, this match is, um, again, it's a Young Bucks match. There's some crazy... Uh, counters and, and and spots that I'll try to note on some of them. So that's that's that. There was a a glaring like, and again, this being a tape show, can we not? Can we go? Can we find a way to go back and cover this? There there's a point where Matt rolls Nick Jackson out, and they basically try to do like the Bella Twins yeah. twin magic uh, of, of 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 you know Nick's hurt, Matt's gonna roll Nick out, and then so that way Matt can pop up and play possum. So they do it, and then. They the, the the ref sells it that he has caught on. Commentary is like, Oh, yeah, ref realizes that these guys aren't twins or brothers, but we can tell the difference. So, like, we've uncovered the aha, but then the ref never makes Matt yeah. leave. And then, kind of, commentary is kind of like, uh,
1: like did you catch this (laughs) yeah they they they're trying to cover for the ref it looked like but the ref didn't make any type of action I thought that was so weird it's even weirder because they don't look like identical twins so obviously you would think that this would get caught but you do notice that if the referee doesn't do anything about it this guy looked like a complete moron so I don't know what was happening because commentary at one point Excalibur kind of pretended like he was confused uh saying well which one is that and uh it was very it was kind of a mess. I didn't like that they did that segment like right in the middle of the match. But I will say I like the Young Bucks' heels in this match. I mean, they're just incredible heels.
0: Yeah, it was, it was I just think it 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 just as the match was flowing and flying and fast, and it just halted the match for me for a minute So, I'm right. like, what has happened? And then I mean they 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 pick back up and then move on. So it's not like that's that's gotta define the match. Um there's a you know, they get ready, the bucks get ready to do like the I think that's the what, it's the melter driver when then the one has them in like the tombstone position, but then a crazy counter to that you gotta check out and see. Um, there's a spot where I believe uh Matt Seidel is getting ready to do like a, a Hurricane Rana off the top rope to one of the Bucks, and one of the Bucks escapes out of it, and just Matt Seidel just falls, hits a ass bump on the top ropes, and just goes, you know, just flying. Look looked brutal as hell. Um, so some crazy spots in there. Ultimately though, the young bucks get the win, as you'd expect. And then, of course, post-match we see Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, they come out talking about how they used to be friends of the Bucks. Uh, last time that they spoke they said the next time because Aaron and Daniel said next time they lose, they will no longer be a tag team. And they basically said we're number one. We want to call out the young bucks and you no longer our friends. you guys are just a bunch of entitled overdressed bitches.
1: Uh, I I love this promo. I mean, I thought this was maybe, you know, this is a show filled with good promos, but this was right there at the top. uh, Chris Daniels and uh, Kazarian have this great storyline where if they lose, then they have to retire, essentially kind of like Ric Flair. But they haven't been doing much of that on TV. They've been doing a lot of their winning on Dark and Dark Elevation, which is fine. But now that they've stepped up and challenged Young Bucks, I hope they don't just automatically get that shot. And they kind of embargo those matches. I hope that they keep having to wrestle matches on TV. uh, And if they lose those matches, they have to retire. But if they win, then they're still on path to face the Young Bucks. Because they haven't done enough with this storyline. And if this is going to lead to the retirement of, you know, Chris Daniels has been doing this forever. I think he deserves better. And uh, it would be a better TV product if they told that story leading up to facing his best friends in the Young Bucks.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We get to a pre-tape promo of Jade Cargill. And she's talking about how, look, all these managers, they want to be in the Jade Cargill business. They want it. But the problem is, Alfred, managers. You're, I mean, you're, you're Forbes.com, right? You know, the cut managers, they want that cut. They want that percentage yeah. off the top. And she said, no, no, uh-uh, that's not happening. Like, that, I don't need that. I, I, I'm i the money. I'm the one that creates the money. And uh, her tagline, she signs off with, uh, I'm Jade Cargill. I'm that bitch.
1: Yeah, the, I really love these. It's like in the vein of those Macho Man, kind of how Macho Man and Elizabeth came together where all the managers wanted Macho Man and then out comes Liz. And she just kind of floats on the cloud to Macho Man. And this is not only putting over Jade Cargo, whoever she ends up agreeing with. It's not necessarily going to be a manager, maybe a partner. Whoever she ends up partnering with, it's going to really put them over because it's putting them above being just a manager. Like Jade Cargo, week after week, is making it clear she doesn't just want some manager. She wants somebody special. So I think whoever they end up selecting, it, it would be a very fun pairing.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, this free agent thing, this hottest free agent, you know, commentary is putting it over. You're, And you're right eventually if they find somebody that they are going to put with her, it, it makes them seem that much more important uh, that they were able to win out in the search uh, for, for Jay Cargo, and who she could let in. So Jay Cargo, I mean, she's trying to like, I mean, she's trying to lock her network up. She's trying to stay private, much like what our sponsor of tonight's show can do for you because we're welcoming a new sponsor of the show. IP vanish, IP vanish. That's IP vanish is a virtual private network. So VPN for short, and VPN is a super important tool. If you use the internet, this message is for you. Super important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. That's right. There's all kinds of craziness out there these days, Alfred. I mean, you can't ever be uh never be too careful. And with uh, a VPN like IP IPVanish, uh, a VPN on your computer, your tablet, your phone, uh, you know, even things like your Fire Stick when Fire Stick when you're streaming media, you know, that VPN, all your data is encrypted. It's very important. So what you're reading, what you're searching. Uh, what you're watching, whatever it is you're doing, you know, you want to keep it to yourself, right? You don't want it out there in the world for the craziness. So it's important on the internet. No one else uh, should be into your business. And IPVanish is going to help you remain anonymous and secure when you're doing your browsing. And so for those of you who are tuning into the show, which we always appreciate, IPVanish is offering an incredible 65% off. That's right, 6-5. 65% off. That's just $3.49 for the first month. Or if you just want to go all in for a year, $31.49. I mean, come on. We've seen how generous some of you guys are on the Super Chats. Just imagine putting just a few of those bucks towards that with this uh, deal. I mean, you, you'd be in, you know, set up for, for, uh, for a whole year here. IPVanish.com slash INC. INC is your promo code. And everything you can get with the IPVanish, you're going to get an anonymous IP addresses. This means your personal IP address can't not be tracked. Cannot be tracked. By anyone on the web, you circumvent any online censorship. IPVanish has more than 1,500 servers, 70-plus locations. Get protection when using public Wi-Fi. So if you're out there at a coffee shop or what have you, remember IPVanish. All your data is encrypted so no one can snoop on what you're doing 24-7 support. Email them. Chat with them. Even call them. The old-fashioned pick up the telephone and dial the digits. They're there to help. Again, IPVanish.com slash INC, 65% savings. Three forty nine dollars a month, 31 dollars a year. This is the time to sign up with our discount and their current promotional offerings. Uh, it's not going to go forever, so make sure you jump into it while you can. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Show these guys some love. Uh, they're now here with us on Wrestling Inc. to help and make this podcast possible, IPVanish.com slash INC.
1: Dude, that's a great deal. I mean, for those of you, and there's a lot of people who do use IP blockers. I'm one of them. I mean, that is one of the best deals I've ever seen, and I'm very interested in taking advantage of that. Like, well,
0: and, and, you know, there's a, yeah, and, you know, there's that line in there about circumvent censorship. I mean, I, I'm just yeah. saying, like, if, if you live in a certain part of the world, and maybe something's not available here, you know, networks, whatever, I mean, I VPNs can do some magic for you to free the whole world for you, free the whole world. So just, just put it out there. All right. Back to Dynamite uh penta l zero Miero. uh uh, penta l uh try this again penta l (laughs) z versus orange cassidy he's he's changed his name so many times and i i love it but the evolution of the name always throws me
1: (laughs) up when i'm watching i'm this pentagon it was just a pentagon pentagon jr and then they're always screwing with it he's up against orange cassidy uh orange cassidy's out there and this i actually
0: appreciated the, the the comedy that we got out of this you know you don't always get to see comedy with penta in this situation but you have Orange Cassidy's out there, and he's keeps wanting to do his hands in the pockets, and Penta's not allowing it. We're going back and forth. Uh, you know, Orange Cassidy gives him the little shin, uh, shin kicks. Uh, so fun opening sequence here. Uh, obviously, Penta's then going to eventually take control, as you'd expect. But uh, there's a couple cool points. One here is uh, Orange Cassidy. He gets Penta to the outside. Cassidy goes to do a suicide dive through the ropes, and Penta counters that. Into like a guerrilla military press. And then at one yeah. point, with one hand, Alfred is holding Cassidy up. I mean, just an incredible display of strength. Um, Just really, really cool spot to watch here. Uh, we do see Orange Cassidy. He reverses the package pile driver. We get a big false finish there. Uh, Alex interrupts, getting ready to talk more about uh, Trent's mom. Uh, he gets tossed into the ring. Ref's distracted, trying to get him out of the ring. And uh, Orange Cassidy ends up getting the microphone from Trent, gets to use it. Uh, just as Penta did the week prior. So Orange Cassidy gets the win in this match. So this one, also a very big upset and surprise in how they booked this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that spot you were talking about where he caught him in midair with that gorilla press, Uh, I guess Excalibur said, have you ever seen anything like that in your life? And I don't think I have. Have you? No, no. I I thought that was incredible. That was really, they should have really saved that for like a pay-per-view spot, but you you never know. You can never plan that kind of stuff, especially in AEW where there are fewer. So I I just love that spot. I love this match from beginning to end. I thought Penta is so funny in terms of comedy without making himself look like a clown. He was like being very angry and worked up. But it was very comedic in that um, Orange Cassidy. One of the stories of this match was Orange Cassidy trying to put his hand in his pocket. So, like, he'd be in a submission. He'd try to put it in there. Try to put and it I know these two worked incredibly together. I, I want to see another match between them. But I'm, by the time this match ended, I had a big old smile on my face. And, you know, it was a really good match. I liked it.
0: So, Penta, I believe, came out of the baby face tunnel.
1: Yes, I believe he
0: And, did. I mean, which is odd because, you know, like, they, they cut to the, they did show a quick pre tape promo uh, that they, they cut backstage. And then, you know, again, they, 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 they tend to try to use some shenanigans. So like, I was interested, like he came out of the the baby face tunnel. He was kind of embracing in some of the comedy. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see like where on the side of the fence is this character at right now. Um,
1: Right. I mean, Penta's definitely, the way he acts, he's a heel. I mean, and this big feud was with Cody. That's another thing they just kind of dropped without doing a huge right. match is that the Penta-Cody feud seems to have stopped. But, you know, based on how Alex Abrahantiz has been acting, uh, Penta certainly seems like a heel. And he has this obnoxious manager who's taking all these cheap shots, constantly interfering. But, you know, maybe that's an oversight on AEW's end.
0: Yeah, you're right. They, I mean, you know, one week, I mean, Penta's, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, pulling out personal shots to Cody of like talking about, you know, Cody's unborn child. And yeah, uh, yeah now we're just totally pivoted away from that. I they, They've opted for Cody and QT Marshall uh, instead. Uh, we'll get a Britt Baker promo, Dr. Britt Baker with Tony Schiavone and uh, Rebel backstage. And she's done it. She did what she said. She is number one yeah. in the rankings. Um, uh, now to, to, to challenge Sheeta. And she gave a little hurt, her besides her, dmd she gave a little uh sheet of later
1: yeah no, I, saw that. <laughs> I, really, I really do like the dmd i think that that's going to be one of the things that really gets over when they have crowds back is people doing the dmd with her mm-hmm. i like that she's kind of training people to do that and it's just weird that this heel makes perfect sense she has this point and she gets to where she was going to go it's it's kind of like a credible heel but it's very odd to see a heel kind of Check all those boxes. And I think when it comes to her versus Sheeta, she's going to win, to be honest. So um, they're really kind of making Britt Baker this very, very credible heel. She was talking about how she should be number one and really putting the emphasis on the rankings. And she's only done better in the rankings since then. And now she's talking about how she draws money and does all that stuff, which, I mean, she is one of the bigger stars that they have. So, I mean, everything she said so far has been true. I don't see any reason why I should boo this woman.
0: No, and there was a ton of little things you know having having making Shivani have his finger up. Yes. And uh I don't know if you rebels w- walking on that one crutch, the crutch has got like Christmas lights. It's it's blinged out. I mean, it's uh just a lot of things here that are just on on fire. And yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. I've said it before, and I agree with you. Whenever the ma- whenever they decide to have the match of Brit for Shida, I I think it's just it's it's it's, it's inevitable Brit's going to win. Uh, I I but I do think like this is some of what you can try to control not having really a lot of fans is um, you can control the the sound, the narrative. You don't need to you don't need to do the whole, okay, let's now now let's make Brit the lovable babyface again. You can do that at any time many years later and, and you'll get miles out of her being the accomplished, educated, pretty girl next door. But I mean, she's just so money as a heel, you gotta find a way to make sure that when that match does happen and she does beat Sheeta, that she just does some dastardly things to win.
1: She cannot win this clean. It's just for a number of reasons. uh, One of them being that she just had that belt forever and defended it with honor and like Brit winning it, you know, underhandedly would just be so great for her to kind of regress as a heel and get people to keep booing her.
0: For sure. So up next, we get kind of what's going to cap off our number one. Uh, It is the the biggest piece of business to sell here on this go home show again to this blood and guts premium episode that's coming next week. It is the parlay. It is the pinnacle, not the pineapple, the pinnacle. (laughs) Uh, and inner circle who are going to be face to face, uh, try to show some decorum. Tony Schiavone asked, uh, should be noted first though, each team has their own personal security that comes out. Uh, first here comes pinnacle, just your typical, uh, you know, dressed in black security. They stand and, and secure the stage, uh, to be a little upstage and outdone by the inner circles security, uh, like the hell's angels or whatever coming out on, on bikes. So pretty cool visual there. And so we get the two teams. Uh, all so much good out of this. So let's, I mean, this is something we'll probably give a lot of the time here to this podcast, to because it really is one of the highlights, uh, visually uh, for the way they shot this, uh, they have both teams standing in line, everybody paired off, uh, against their respective, uh, primary adversary Wardlow with Hager, FTR to Santana Ortiz, uh, Spears to, to Sammy MJF, of course, to Jericho Shivani right there in the middle, and this was great because everybody, other than Wardle and Hager, everybody got into the talking. Everybody sold their angle, their perspective to this, and you know we'll just start there. I mean, that's not something that that goes against the traditional grain of how we see anymore. These kind of uh, th- these these big cells happen. Normally, it's one or two people just do all the talking, but here everybody got their share.
1: Absolutely. And when you're building a team match like that, that's exactly what should happen. I like that they called this a parlay. It's a new word for me. I didn't, I was not familiar with the process of a parlay. And so that they, they used that word and kind of introduced this to pro wrestling and had specific rules was really cool. One of the things I liked about this format is that even though they were both on those kind of different sides and they're tense and they're facing each other both teams seem to adhere to the rules of the parlay where when somebody would get really heated and try to cross that line and start fighting everybody else would jump in like no no no, you can't do that so it really kind of i thought added value to this segment that they were just going to be talking that it was getting heated but it wasn't going to cross a certain line i thought that was very well done and you're right like visually it just looked really cool in terms of seeing these two rows of talent it's definitely a departure from what you're used to seeing on pro wrestling so i like that they added something different
0: Yeah, it was like there was an unspoken rule that if one of you, if somebody touches them, like we automatically forfeit or something. Yeah, you know, it it was nice. And uh, yeah, you know, again, uh, it's gotten uh, formulaic in WWE. Uh, This is a contract signing. This is the whatever. And and so that you know, nice to put just a different, um, just a different name to what this was. And Tony Schiavone starts out. He does clarify, and you can kind of, you know, figure as much if you look at the graphic that they kept using, as they would show two rings. Surrounded in a cage. So again, a very a, a war games essentially, where you're going to have two rings, uh, an opening five-minute period, and then after that, every, I think, what, two minutes or something like that, uh, yeah. w- one member from a team's going to uh, get to come in. So the, they initially start with, okay, some team's going to have a, a one-man advantage throughout this. And uh, Sean Spears takes the mic first, which I didn't see that coming. And Sean Spears says that we should have the advantage because we were lured into this match by the inner circle Sammy Guevara, he responds to Spears, basically says, "Look, dude, you've been a failure since you've been in AEW. You were a failure at that place you used to work at, and you know what? Go ahead, go. You can have the advantage." And and Guevara standing up there saying, "I'll enter first, even on our team. I don't care if it's four on one. I'm taking it on, and I'm going to take uh, you guys on." So Sammy Guevara looking, uh, you know, looking strong there. FTR then takes the mic for Pinnacle. They get personal. Uh, citing Santana Ortiz's kids, citing their ages and their genders, saying you better hug them next Tuesday, a message from Uncle Dax. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, just really getting personal. And this is like what you said, Alfred. At this point, everybody ha- having to start hold each other back because you can feel the animosity building. And he gets capped off by, as it should, with MJF and Jericho. MJF saying, thank you, Chris Jericho, because if it's not, if not for you, we don't have an AEW. That is a reality. Uh, he says, you, you know, the pressure you must feel, you know, the bags under your eyes, the bloodshot eyes. If you don't come out here and hit a home run, you know, you're affecting the, the lives of these guys and girls and the food being put on the table. And it's time for me to overtake and have that spot. I want that spot. And I'm going to take that spot. Heavy is, you know, the head that wears the crown. I'm going to take that crown. And Jericho ends it with, you don't just get to take that spot. you got to earn that spot. And I'm going to kill you. You're going to have to kill us uh, come uh, blood and guts. So, I mean, just sound bites galore, Alfred, yeah. in, this, in this promo.
1: Excellent. I mean, they're not going to have to do much to make this into a vignette package for the Road 2 series or whatnot, but this was so excellent. I mean, I thought everybody was great in this segment who cut a promo, and even Wardlow and Hager, who didn't cut a promo, but they were doing what they've been doing this whole time. They were just staring at each other, which, if you watch, I don't think they stopped staring at each other for one second. So when they were both in the inner circle, that was their thing. Now they're on the opposite side staring at each other, which I absolutely loved. And I thought everybody, I mean, not even grading on a curve. Every time I heard somebody cut a promo, it just kept raising and raising and raising till they got to Jericho and MJF, and they both capped it off perfectly. Uh, I like the fact that, I mean, I kind of would have wanted to see this live because then you're kind of more in the moment. But I like the fact that they were able to then take that and uh, put it and present it perfectly in terms of how to tell the story. I think that really helped. But, I mean, this is a home run all, all the way around. If there's pressure for Jericho to hit another home run, I think he did it here.
0: Yeah, and especially coming off of last week when we saw the pre-tape of the Pinnacle, which we talked about, which was pretty good, and Wardle and MJ after the speaking, and then we saw Inner Circle in live in the ring, and I think you and I both agreed it wasn't their best showing, so this was a huge rebound, especially for Jericho and the Inner Circle, but overall, you know, you, you you don't want this segment to flop, this is what you're centering this big show around next week, and, you know, from what we can gather, Alfred, this match is going to be probably an hour's worth, it's probably going to be half the show, oh, yeah. Now we start. They start announcing some other matches uh, as we're going to get to here in a little bit. They start having some other segments where they announce matches for next week, which was confusing. Um, I have to wonder. I have to think the Blood and Guts match absolutely is going to be live in front of whatever crowd they have next week. And I mean they're they're pumping hard. They're selling tickets.
1: They're yeah.
0: You know. So they're selling tickets. To this. I got to just think these other matches maybe maybe a pre tape because a cage and we're in Daly's place that's a whole logistic in and of itself of either lowering, lowering a cage or even erecting the cage. You know, your live TV, you can't spend 20 minutes having this cage be put together, you know? So I, I mean, I got to think that there's going to be some kind of a mix of, of live and pre taped next week.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that's what it is. And they're going to be live there in the arena and maybe they're going to even have the cage there. So they'll be outside the cage, uh live and then maybe they'll throw to the matches that they had earlier tonight and those are going to be some of the matches there because i mean they really did hype this up as kind of a one match show and that blood and guts is going to be the thing that's going to be happening on that night uh so i can only imagine that they're going to maybe have the blood and guts spectacle there but these matches that they're advertising are going to be stuff that they've already done
0: yeah i mean and, and we'll note some of them at least some of the other matches they are promoting are all kind of blood feuds kind of some payoffs that need to happen Um, you know, obviously next by the time we get here next week, we'll be recapping, we'll be looking at what just happened. So let's, I guess a little little prediction here. Uh, if you got to put some money down, who's walking out on top between the pinnacle and who's, who's last standing.
1: I think it almost has to be the pinnacle. I I think just the story that they're telling, and this is a company in AEW that brought in guys like Chris Jericho for this very moment. MJF is a guy who he's ready. He's not the future of anything. As young as he is, he's been doing this for long enough and become his biggest star where he's ready to take the quote-unquote spot of Chris Jericho. I mean, it's kind of imaginary that Chris Jericho would lose that spot. You know, he's Chris Jericho. He'll be fine. But in terms of the story they're telling of MJF being a mark for your spot and I'm going to beat you and I'm going to have to beat you in order to get there, uh, this new group, and which you know, it sounds like they have long-term plans for the Pinnacle. I just think MJF has to be the last person with his hand race.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. Pinnacle definitely, and, and MJF, or some combination of you know, you can make a case for literally anybody in the Pinnacle. Of like MJF could stand tall. You'll want Wardlow to be standing tall. Yeah, um, you, you're try, you, You're even kind of noting it in the promo here tonight you, that Sean Spears needs to get going. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really but I don't see them just, you know, they're not just going to run through and squash. So I, I'm, and then and then it's like, you're building to this. And again, this, this feud between centered around Jericho and MJF that's been going on for so long and it's had good twists and turns up to this point. You got to believe they booked. Okay. They've already booked in their minds, the big, you know, the, the big showdown that it is going to be this match. And there's got to be some that swerve that's coming there. Right, whether it's an addition, whether it's a betrayal, whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Pinnacle's got to stand tall; they're going to win. Uh, but how they get to it, I this is one of the more intrigued, you know, intrigued angles I've ever I can recall in wrestling. Um,
1: yeah, and it should be exactly as you said—a blood war, like a blood feud, and that there should be a lot of juice there. It should be hotly contested. You know, it definitely shouldn't be one sided. And I expect it to be really physical, and expect to see some pretty crazy stuff next week.
0: Absolutely. So that's going to be next week. So uh, we hope you come back and join us next Wednesday night. We're gonna have a lot to talk about off of Blood and Guts, but picking back up here, we go into hour number two for AEW Dynamite. Uh, Naka, Nakazawa is uh, he's in the ring still with laptop and headset. Uh, Eddie Kingston comes out, and the Kingston's just like, "Nah, now nah, get this jabroni out of here. I want Omega." Uh, Omega quickly services uh, in suit and all with Callus on the uh, on the stage, and you know, Omega's like, "Yeah, you know, I don't just get to come in there. That's not how this is gonna work." And then Necrosal uh, attacks Kingston with a laptop. Uh, you know, so we get that. But then K- Kingston quickly overcomes that. Now he's got. Now, now he's now he's getting ready to break Michael's ankle with the chair. Um, Moxley shows up. Moxley hits the ring. He's helping this. He's got a uh, he's got a rear naked choke. He's attacking Kenny Omega. Got a rear naked choke on Kenny Omega. At this point now, they're they're threatening to break Omega's ankle. Don Callis is pleading with them. Kingston and and, and uh, Moxley just won a match. They won a tag match. And finally, Callis gives in and says that'll happen. And this is the first hint that we actually get of more happening next week on Blood and Guts because they say this tag match is going to happen next week. So, uh, you know, again, a, a, a Blood and Guts kind of feud that we're going to get some level of a payoff here. What do you think of this segment here and how Kenny Omega, Kingston, um, and Moxley all look?
1: I thought it was fine. It's just where did they make any excuses as to why the elite wasn't there to help Kenny Omega in that situation? Because that's a situation that's just begging for the guy's allies to come in. He had two allies who weren't even part of his real stable there, and nobody else ended up coming out. I thought it was very weird that we had just seen them less than an hour ago cutting a promo and chumming it up in the limo. So there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't be there. So, I mean, that's one of those oversights that it does sound like a nitpick, but I don't consider that a nitpick at all that – this guy is pretty much defined by these guys that he walks around with and somehow he's able to get tripped up and be there by himself. So that was kind of weird to me. Um, But, you know, I I did like Michael Nakazawa, not only in the segment, but this whole show, I thought he was very funny. I think he's a very good addition to that group in terms of their kind of wacky, who is the fall guy for a lot of stuff. And I like Kenny Omega as a heel, pretty much like throwing him to the wolves saying, Oh, well, well, that's what he's here for. Go ahead and break his ankle. See if I care. Yeah,
0: no, no, good point. I I did. I did kind of just, I didn't, give that credit well and maybe answer your question because you're right like where's the rest of the guys where's the good brothers where's we saw the bucks in a match earlier where are they you know the only thing i can figure is that they said like, uh, like omega said we got more than one lackey and he starts calling for cutler and then we see cutler gets thrown out of the tunnel and it's, it's by it's by moxley so maybe the subtlety is supposed to be the Moxley's is already like barricaded the rest of them all sure. somewhere i don't know but you're right we just saw them in the limo right after that limo segment we see a buck's match so yeah um again more of what i said off the top of the show this show very much felt like it was glued together by a lot of segments and it's hard to tell what was shot when what was the script at what day and how they piece some things together because that is a it's not a nitpick it's a, it's a notable right gap in the story uh but that's that's gonna be one of the matches we we'll see next week uh, up next we get some women's action penelope ford uh of course with Kip saving in her corner up against Chris Statlander, who she has Orange Cassidy. Um basically Statlander's gonna get the win here in an inverted pile driver. Um yeah, not much more to say here other than Chris Statlander. Uh Chris Statlander m- am I just catching this new entrance music.
1: Yeah, she well, had she, the, the Orange Cassidy's music. The that, pr- uh, uh, okay, music. okay, okay. Um uh, something my mind where's my mind, I believe it's called. Yeah um yeah so she's just using the same that orange Cassidy. i guess they're figuring they have to get their money's worth because AEW bought that theme music so they have the rights to it so they're just <laughs> i guess anybody in the best friends gets that theme music now
0: if you're paying the if, if con's paying the royalties yeah get the yeah get the spins out of it uh yeah i i remember her coming out i was hearing it, i was like oh was like that's that's different that's not her normal music yeah all right so then we get uh we got kind of a like nightmare factory versus uh yeah We have QT Marshall in the factory up against the nightmare, uh, you know, team of Dustin and and, and Lee Johnson and and Billy Gunn, but QT Marshall. And then they show up in Cody's bus. So that's kind of something to note because that's going to book in on the segment here. So they show up in the bus. uh, So we got, you know, the the battle here of Cody's loyal family versus his, 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 uh, you know, those who have betrayed him and have gone against him. Uh, And it's noted on commentary by Tony Schiavone here, Uh, Nick Camarado, one of the guys, uh, part of QT Marshall's, Uh, factory you know obviously again just big guys got the look and Chavani notes this guy's got a cross of a bruiser brody billy jack haynes look i thought that was a very you know a a cool comment to put him over so he's looking strong beating up on billy gunn lee johnson he's shining on the babyface side of things with with his offense and his maneuvers uh anthony gogo again he's getting over he's not part of the match he's there on outside interference he gets his uh his solid gut punch um, and that's ultimately what's going to lead to QT Marshall getting the pin. So QT Marshall and, and company they get the win. Here comes Austin and Colton Gunn, Billy's sons. They start attacking QT after the match. This causes uh, QT to run off. He starts to run and try to leave on the bus, but Cody comes out of the bus, beats him up. Uh, now all of a sudden you know, they're battling outside the bus. We got you know other wrestlers and fans cheering it on like it's a it's a backlot brawl. And Cody and, and QT find themselves on top of the bus, figure four leg lock. It's all kinds of craziness, and we find out we're going to get Cody versus QT next week at Blood and Gut. So again, another match. that has got this kind of personal feel to a personal feud that we're going to get some kind of payoff here. Uh, are you are you are you bought into QT Marshall? Is he is he a viable threat that's under
1: Cody's skin? Uh, He's not a viable threat. I mean, it hasn't been long enough, but I am into this heel turn and the stable. I mean, I think Nick Camarado is such an impressive looking guy. Uh, I just felt like this whole thing was like three weeks of television booked in one segment. I think them, quote-unquote, stealing that bus, having this match against the Nightmare family, and then ultimately having a match against Cody should have been three things that happened in three different weeks. And I would have actually liked to see a match where it's Cody versus QT Marshall on that bus. I mean, they had... uh, 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 Aubrey jump up on the bus so they kind of yeah. made it seem like there was going to be a match there and it just kind of put in your mind like yeah this should probably be where they go with this like ultimately not now I just I thought it was way too much to be giving it away for us to be excited then next week I, I think it was just too much overload for the segment honestly so I have a theory hear me out
0: Jim Ross has said it a few weeks I guess I said he said a few weeks ago it, it sounded like he was under the impression or the instruction that blood and guts would be one match So I have a theory that maybe a few weeks ago the plan was we're going to let this pinnacle inner circle thing be the entire program. Maybe it wasn't going to be under a cage confined that way, or maybe it was going to start that way and they find their way out of the cage and they fight amongst Daly's place. They fight amongst the Jaguar stadium. I have a theory if somewhere along that way, the the decision was made of like, this just isn't going to be enough to, to hold the two hours we're putting too much pressure to have these guys hold two hours with commercials in between that are going to have to happen. And, and so I almost wonder, did they then call the audible somewhere in the last week or two? We're going to make this an hour's worth. This is going to be one half of it, but we then may defeat. We we need to fill matches otherwise. Sure. And they shot this tonight, the way we saw it with QT and Cody, like you said, three weeks worth of stuff that just got compiled into, into one, one segment or, Again, where was the rest of the elite? And we decided that we're going to make this tag match for Omega. And Right. Like, I, it, a lot of this feels like, again, it was pieced together, and that this, there was an audible call that this blood and guts match of the two factions just can't sustain two hours. or so it's, it's not a good ratings move in terms of the segment to segment.
1: Right. Now, that's a good call. I can see that being exactly what happened because it does, did definitely seem like that. Like They were all just kind of glued together in terms of them having to present this on a Tate show.
0: Uh, We saw Miro attack Kip Sabian backstage and uh, slams Kip's hand in the door.
1: This is the Miro I was here for. This is what I came to see. Absolutely. He did everything right. It was brutal. I think Kip was great selling this, like, you know, and the slamming of the door and selling it like his arm was broken. I loved everything about this.
0: Yeah, this is the Miro. You know, this is it. This is – I'll leave it at that. Uh, I don't know if we'll see him next week or when it's going to be next, but this is the the Rusev crush we all wanted uh, when he – you know, leaves the, uh, you know, leaves New York and goes through the forbidden door and the creative freedom that is, that is supposedly
1: AEW. Yeah. And you kind of had to have something like this because the story is he's been looking for Kip Sabian. Well, Kip Sabian showed up. So if he would have shown up on TV and then left and the next week, Rooster is like, Oh, where is Kip Sabian? It's like, he just there, man. Like where were you last week?
0: I was busy playing my video game. He was here. <laughs> All right. All right. So main event time. Uh, once again, the TNT title, main eventing dynamite, and uh Preston Vance, aka 10 from the Dark Order. Uh really getting put over here. I mean, he's I think 13 and 1 is what they said in 2021. Okay. So we've got a strong record. Uh really putting over that he was handpicked by Mr. Brody Lee. Um, really playing to that emotional heartstring. So, you know, a babyface 10 in Dark Order up against a babyface Darby Allen. That's kind of been Darby's gimmick here. You know, trying to be a fighting champion up against others who deserve it and are doing it the right way. Darby, of course, flanked by Sting. Ten, flanked by much of the Dark Order. Um, you know, I mean, again, Ten's just getting put in, put over on commentary. Strong, uh, he's looking strong for the uh, start of the match. Darby eventually then takes over some. Uh, he's working on Ten's left hand. That's going to come into play uh, at some point, though. Darby dives onto Ten and other Dark Order members on the outside. At this point, is. Ref's distracted trying to get everybody cleared out of the way. Ethan Page appears. He slams Darby's head into the ring post. Uh It looks like 10 might have this in hand. He's taking advantage of a, of a beaten down Darby. Gets the full Nelson locked on. And uh, I don't know if it was paying tribute to Roddy Piper since that was the biography this past week on AEW, but they do the the, the Piper-Bret Hart WrestleMania 8 finish. Uh Full Nelson, well, for Piper, it was sleeper hold. For, for 10, it's full Nelson, but Darby... Kicks up on the uh, turnbuckle, pulls back, 10's shoulders of what's on the mat. One, two, three. So a three count victory for Darby to retain. You know, it, it's only a matter of leverage and weight. 10 is, you know, he's not knocked out. He's right there. He's an attentive uh, show of sportsmanship. But then here comes Paige and Scorpio Sky again. They attack Sting and Darby, uh, just, you know, putting him in submission holds. Lance Archer ultimately coming out to help run them off. So. Ah, uh, continuing it uh, two weeks in a row here, Alfred, of of Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky uh, in the main event segment as as the as the top villains that that we end the show with. So plans certainly in the works here for for Ethan Page, who's one of the newest acquisitions to the company.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's good to see them get involved like this, but uh, not in the capacity of them just having to keep interrupting. And it's almost like AEW couldn't leave well enough alone. I think that would have been the perfect ending to just kind of put over 10 after a losing effort, but in a match where they really did put him over on commentary. I mean, I've been just fine with them going off the air like that. But then by the time they went off the air... it just was kind of ridiculous in that they had to fit in all this stuff that just happened. And then Darby here, sound. They're like, Oh man, I hope Darby's okay. Well, coming up next is this. And it's like, well, if you guys would to just let the other moment breathe, that would have been much better. Um, I'm still not quite clear as to why Scorpio sky and Ethan page, um, on what exactly it is they want. I mean, I know they did cut a promo about it uh, and I do like that they're doing something with these guys. I think they're both talented and I look forward to seeing what they do, but I just thought it was a little excessive to just have more outside interference in the show.
0: I mean that's, and I mean that's the theme. And I guess again, you you have to under I guess you just have to accept what what's the flavor, what's the flavor of vodka you're indulging in here when you watch Dynamite. Like they they, it's clear they never want to be critiqued by people like us. Of maybe what we would critique at certain times in WWE segments of like wanting more or being repetitive. Right. I mean, when you think, oh, that might be enough. Well, no, we got to throw one more thing out there. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, literally every segment, there was not one segment that does not either have something blatant happening in front of, or not in front of the ref, uh, or then post match shenanigans, they, they never let something just happen and then move on. I mean, they, 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 for better or worse, they will, uh, throw a little bit extra every time on top right. of the pie. So, uh, well, you know, one thing I want to know about 10 Preston Vance, this guy, and it was funny. I, I know I said something about this on Twitter. And then a couple minutes later, Darby in a defense mode starts to rip his mask. But this guy, he's built well. You can see that. And if you've, you know, if you follow social media, you can see him without his mask. He's got TV star, movie good looks, right? He, he's a good-looking dude. He's built well. He's not the traditional guy you put under a mask. He's not Mick Foley with half of an ear you're putting under a mask, or or right. whatever. You know, he's not a guy who was burned in flames. You're putting under a mask. I, I gotta think this guy's getting over naturally, just by. I mean, the Dark Orders gotten over naturally as baby faces and and and. and 10's getting over is again fulfilling the work of Mr. Birdie Lee essentially. They gotta get this mask off of him eventually. This guy, if this guy's gonna continue to rise as a as a top baby face. This is not a guy whose face you want hidden. This is a guy who you want to market and put out there. Uh so I I just I, I thought it was funny. I, I tweeted that, thought it was a matter of time you take the mask off of him, and then and, and not much later, Darby is ripping it off. I
1: was like, yeah! Here we go. The referee smart enough. He's like, hey, man, Labar just tweeted about the mask. It's got to go. And he just jumped on there and did it. You know, I'm going to actually disagree with you there. I actually haven't really? seen um, Ten. I, I'm sure sometime in the future, yes, definitely, especially if they plan on doing big things with uh, Ten and Vance. I think that'd be great. But I think there's some mileage to be had with the look that he has. Just being this really yoked, like, buff guy and having that mask on, he kind of looks like a superhero or, or a supervillain, whatever um, side he would be on. It's almost like a larger-than-life thing. And I think that just gives him that edge that I think a lot of younger viewers, a lot of kids will get into something like that. I know if I was a kid watching something like that, I was always into Sting and The Boyer and people with masks and face paint and stuff like that. And I think that would be along those lines in terms of young viewers getting into it.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess I'll give you that response of of like the superhero thing. And God, for as as, as long as negative one is around and he's got the mask emulating 10, uh, I guess you gotta keep yeah. ten with a the mask well, there, yeah, but <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I guess I can get it. But I, I just, I guess, I'm thinking the WWE mind instead of like the talk shows and the marketability of like, sure. you know, we need to see the guy's face, we need to see the money, we need to see the the, the, the expressions. Um, but all this in the in the context of ten just strikes me as a guy. He's just he's getting over so naturally, uh, and so it just it yeah. seems like you know what was once a unassuming assassin that was given a number for a name. He's kind of. Broke out of that, and his—I mean, once upon a time, Evil Uno looked like he was the leading figure in the Dark Order, and. I don't know if I, even know if he was there tonight, actually. Yeah, he's
1: really kind of taking a step back. And, I mean, to your point, he that promo was excellent that he cut about uh, Brody Lee. It was just very real. He's great in terms of talking. So it, it was kind of weird, to, now that I think about it, to see this guy in a mask. And he's just being so open and, and kind of connecting and warm and inviting. But he's got this mask on. And, and in a capacity like that, yeah, I don't know if he should have a mask.
0: Yeah, so it, it was, we still wait to see, you know. We've seen Alex Silver, you know, we have we, we, seen uh, John Silver, Alex Reynolds. We've seen different guys, uh, you know, gravitate to the the Dark Order uh, popularity that that's come. So it'll be interesting to see like who ultimately shines the most uh, as they continue to push the Dark Order as baby faces. But that's how Dynamite ends again. Uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky going off as standing tall. So we'll see what comes up of it. Lance Archer is having this baby face morale turn uh, or morality turn, I should say. So. Uh, feels like we're we're building to something, but uh, yet to be yet to be seen what exactly it is. All right, let's go into a few uh, a few news items. We'll stick with AEW and Tony Khan. So if you follow the sports world and the TV world, uh, Alfred uh, NHL hockey. Uh, we knew a few weeks ago they were going to be signed. They signed a seven year deal with ESPN, very big deal. Uh, now it looks like they are leaving NBC completely. So NHL is going to be doing uh, a deal with ESPN. They're also going to be doing a deal with Turner. They're going to be on TNT and TBS starting next fall for the next seven years. And so that started begging the question of all uh, everybody of like, well, what's that do to pro wrestling? First, we were all wondering that maybe that's going to affect NXT and the USA Network if they remained with the NBC Universal platform. That's not happening. So now it turned to, well, wait a minute, NHL does like Wednesday Night Rivalry. They do these different things. What about Dynamite? Uh, But Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio as he's uh, on every single week, as am I, every Friday morning. Cheap plug. And Tony Khan said, we got a deal. We are on – Dynamite is on Wednesday nights for the next, I think, two and a half years still in our deal. After that, if there's a move that makes sense, we'll think about it. But right now, it does not make sense. And, again, we're on our deal. We are staying on Wednesday nights. So a lot of talk of, you know, with NXT having just moved (laughs) – what if AEW
1: chases him over to Tuesday? <laughs> but that doesn't
0: seem like that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that, it does not seem like that's going to happen, but this is something to keep an eye out on. I know we've got a lot of time between now and the fall, and I believe Tony Khan, there's no reason why shouldn't. They do have a deal. It's in their contract. But that doesn't mean much of anything if, if TNT ever decides that Wednesday nights would be the best place to put hockey. Because if you remember – When NXT moved off of Wednesday, presumably just to get out of the way of hockey in case it did come to USA Network, uh, what they said was they've re-signed a deal. They didn't say we're moving. They said we've re-signed with USA Network, which essentially meant we just kind of changed the terms of this contract. Now we're on Tuesdays. So that same thing can happen. It's not like an ironclad contract. Maybe Tony Khan decides to do a power play if if it comes to that and says, no, we're not going off Tuesday. But I really don't see that happening in terms of trying to keep partners happy and trying to work together. Um, But listen, I I have no reason to believe that they're moving off of Wednesday. But it's not something that you can just look at like this is just an ironclad thing. There's no way it happens because I think as we get closer and closer to the fall, we're going to get a better idea of what that's going to look like.
0: And let's not forget. There is another show that AEW continues to say that's going to come to TNT or TBS. It's not going to be a YouTube show like Dark and Elevation. Or there's another there's another show that's so then we start going. Well, what night is that? Because you know you have Raw on Mondays, SmackDown on Friday, right. MLW's coming into the space on Vice, you, you know, Ring of Honor. Anybody, like I mean, there's the seven days in a week, and uh, right. it's a good it's a good problem to have that we have more and more wrestling companies on television in the U.S. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a fascinating time to watch as, as, you know, you have the, you have the worldwide leader, whether you like them or not, but still WWE is still the leader, at least in North America, touting, you know, record revenues, record billion dollar TV deals, all the while coming on the backside, as we think of a pandemic, more wrestling companies since the 80s on television distribution and America. This is just, it's a wild convergence right now of things happening.
1: It it really is. And I was thinking about this actually when I was watching the UFC pay-per-view and then kind of reading about the scuttlebutt backstage at WWE of them saying that, you know, it's only a matter of time before they get crowds. Like we might, kind of back into another boom period for wrestling, just considering the money going around for wrestling, the thirst to get out to a live event. I mean, these crowds are going to be really hot. You know, it's going to be a couple of months where a lot of these reactions and crowds are going to be way hotter than they would be for a typical guard variety show. And I think that's going to really pique a lot of people's interest. So we might be on the precipice of, you know, maybe not the attitude era. I don't want to like overshoot my expectations, but at least the spike in terms of ratings, in terms of live event revenue and stuff like that. So we're going to be in for at the very least a mini boom period for wrestling. Once things open back up.
0: Well, what's so crazy about the boom is that there is a boom going on. Again, uh, record TV, the mainstream media has never given more credibility via dollar bills Mm -hmm. than it, than it is now. again, that then WWE takes that lead, but AEW, let's give them some credit for a startup company. Having the distribution they have is pretty, pretty, pretty crazy mainstream media is giving more attention to them now ever and credibility via money. There's a boom, but if you look at numbers, fewer people are watching pro wrestling than they were 20 years ago. It just so happens they're willing to consume at an insane rate. And they're willing to pay for WWE network, or they're willing to, you know, they're willing to pay for an AEW pay-per-view. They're willing to pay for the, you know, like, it's like those who are those who are left standing for pro wrestling are like give it to me i will pay for all of it yeah uh it's just kind of a wild time you know it's not it's not that every joe casual walking the street is wearing uh, an austin 316 shirt as they were in 1997 uh but wrestling has found a way to to go as deep into the pockets as those that are still remaining interested it's just
1: yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the story in terms of right before, A, things shut down, but B, when they decided that they weren't going to be touring as much, uh, the only reason they were making so much money um on live tours, one of the biggest revenue drivers were those super fans who would go buy tickets to be in the front row. That was where they were making a lot of their live event revenue. So, yeah, not a lot of people have watched it in terms of, consumption and ratings and what's on television uh but i mean hopefully that does change when the product is presented cuz ratings have really taken a hit particularly with WWE um uh, raw when it comes to their pandemic shows and not having a crowd and when they had the thunderdome and it mimicked the crowd that kind of helped and i think it's really going to help television wise when they actually have people there um so hopefully they can create new fans cuz lord knows they need them
0: yeah i mean and there are people that do consume different there are there are people who i know this for a fact who don't sit and watch a linear two hours of a wrestling show or three hours if it's Monday, but they follow along with the program via their social media timeline. Whatever gifts are trending is how they know who's over or who's featured. I mean, and, and that, that's not necessarily measured in the analytics that we at least talk about, you know, on wrestling Inc. and on Forbes and such. So it, it's, it's a, it's a brave new world. Uh, and speaking of measurement, you know, again, uh, viewership, you know, every week what we look, look at uh, NXT. That viewership by that metric down, Uh, they did 744,000 viewers on USA Network this past week, that according to Showbuzz Daily, um, which is down 11.5% from the 841,000 the week prior. But Alfred, it should be noted that while that's down, 744,000, that's still one of the best NXT numbers since moving to the USA Network they've had. So, you know, good and bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, this might be on the low end. It's very weird. These last three weeks of NXT ratings have just caught me completely off guard from the first number they did when it was all the way up to 800, uh, I think 841 or something like that, Um, and then they went up for the second NXT, which I did not expect, but it was very encouraging, and now for them to go down as much as they did, I can only guess that uh, last night's show had a lot of promos. There were a lot of non-wrestling segments all throughout the show, so that might have kind of turned some people out. Um, there wasn't really a traditional like main event that they really built up. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's very weird to see. I want to see where the kind of the bottom is. But if this is a lower end, you're right. That's very encouraging for NXT. If this is going to be on the lower end of what they do on Tuesday nights, uh, that's a lot of growth for NXT. And when they peak for those big kind of television specials on Tuesday, I'm very interested to see what they do with those shows.
0: Yeah, I, I thought NXT, there was some – fun stuff with some of the, with the Adam Cole sit down with the Cameron Grimes, Teddy DiBiase stuff. But you know, it was a little bit of a discarded show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. So if, um, if 744,000 is a, is what they can get for a discarded show unopposed. The next time we build to a takeover, like when we're within striking distance of a takeover, like, you know, that's, that's, that's huge potential of where they could get, uh, a million. Uh nice comment here from uh, Anthony. Honestly, Labar and Alfred is a nice little one two combo. Oh, thank you, Anthony. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um so yeah, that's uh that's that that was Dynamite Tonight. That those are some headlines. Uh, there's some other stuff, of course, over on Wrestling Inc. You can uh, take a look at Wrestling Inc. working 24 7. You guys have no idea. You know, Country Club Raj, he you know, he's always running the show from his smartphone in the country club. You know, the, the news people there there are people that are there are people in the wrestling inc world that are just there out listening to every podcast transcribing looking listening for the little nuggets of information you know then there's there's Alpha and I doing the podcast circuit making sure that, that the podcasts are being turned out you know there there's there, there's the content moderators that are that are that are that are watching for the content here they're watching for your comments i mean it is a great is a is a giant machine that wrestling inc is doing 24/7 365 all for you guys we appreciate it uh, country club Raj. Uh, from his <laughs> tower, you know. Normally, it's normally it's the ivory tower for him. It's you know, it's it's the it's the it's the 18th green, I guess, uh, <laughs> or the or the 19th hole, the bar.
1: The, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, around the pub <laughs> right. thats where it is.
0: <laughs> but he's making it all happen. He keeps it running. So we appreciate him. We appreciate all you guys and your comments, your likes, share, tell a friend. Uh, like, if you have a friend that like, you know, if if you're not all like just closet wrestling fans, if you have a friend you talk about to wrestling about or a coworker like. Say so, hey, check out check out the wrestling shows. They're on YouTube. They're on Twitch. They're on Facebook. They're you know they're on iTunes. Whatever you want. Uh, Alfred, give me some plugs. What's going on on Forbes.com?
1: Uh, come on, Forbes.com. A lot of coverage of tonight's Dynamite. Gonna have stuff on Ron, SmackDown. A couple of good interviews in May that I can't talk about yet, but uh, I think you guys are gonna like them. And then uh, YouTube pro wrestling bits.
0: The world of embargoed interviews, Alfred. Yeah,
1: <laughs> tough world, man. Because I'm not good at keeping secrets, I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> no,
0: I saw you. I saw you promote this. Give me, give me, give me a little bit more about this bits. Give me. You got to be these other projects you've been doing, these videos. Yeah, yeah. So
1: YouTube channel Pro Wrestling Bits. They do a couple of them a week. It's really growing now. So just kind of commentary on the big things that are going on right now. Uh, my latest one talks about poor Adnan Verk, who I I hope he gets better, but uh, a lot of controversy with him right now. Uh, so I've had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, really encouraged by the growth.
0: Adnan Verk, we need a bigger boat yeah
1: <laughs> somebody's gonna need a bigger boat if that's all well, we remember him for that's a bigger legacy than a lot of guys have in wrestling so eh,
0: it's not as bad as mike adamley and jeff harvey <laughs> right, right. <laughs> among other things among other things all right uh he's at this is nasty africano one forbes.com i'm at uh, justin Labar. Uh, i'll be on the wrestling Inc. daily tomorrow thursday every friday morning i'm on busted open radio with mark henry and dave lagreca 10 a.m eastern if you listen live or you can listen at any time on demand on the SiriusXM app. Uh, So check that out, channel 156. Again, like, share, do what you got to do. The next post-podcast will be Friday night after SmackDown. It'll be some combination of us. Tune in to find out. Appreciate it. Be safe. Be good. That's it.